This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Have you ever had that experience um, when the light just kind of, metaphorically, the light bulb comes on? Have you had that? Have you ever experienced that, you know, in life? Maybe, well, I have, and, and so like actually this past week, that happened to me. I experienced it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what that is. And so here's when it happened. Like I was reading, my Bible reading is in um, the Chronicles right now. And um, so I was reading the genealogies in First Chronicles chapter 1 through 9. Now I know, like for, for like, let's just, let's face it, like, do you skip over the genealogies in the Bible, any of you? Do you skip over those? Yeah, I think we probably, probably all do. But I was, I, I put my Bible on audio, and so I, I watch and I, I and, and I listen, you know, and, I li- and all that. So anyway, going through the genealogies, and, and then and I, I read about, if I, if I knew this, I forgot it. I forgot it. But when I kind of read the description again of why the genealogies the, the light bulb kind of came on again, that the purpose, at least one of them, uh, for the genealogies was to activate the memories of the people of God and connect the stories um, in, in their lives, their collective stories. And it was like, all of a sudden, like, again, they're like, oh, that's what that's all about. And so, in my own personal life, I began to think about my, my grandma, my mom, and my, my grandmother, and you know, I knew anyone obviously before then, but began to think about them. And I remember the stories, right? And I remember one of the stories where um, we were standing in my grandma's kitchen. They had a little house. I mean, honestly, it, it was very, very small. And we would all gather in there. And I remember um, grandma praying for my mom. My mom had a shoulder problem. And grandma wasn't, honestly, I don't think she was taller than this table right here. And if she was, it wasn't very much, but I'll tell you what, could she, could she pray? And she prayed for mom and how, I remember um, that story when, when Jesus touched my mom. And my memory was activated in, in that, that moment. It's like the light bulb kind of came on. And he, I, I say that because I pray that that's your experience as we walk through God's word together here, online, in person, but also in your journey, in your, in your, in your Bible reading. I, I pray that we experience, like, all of a sudden, I get, and the Spirit of God just speaks to you and brings home the Word to you in what I will just call a John experience. And so whenever I read the Gospels and I, I get to this part of, of John, honestly, I don't think there's a time that I, that I read it that I just don't stop and go, that's true right there. And I, I think that's also my experience right, right there. In John chapter 21, verses 24 and, and 25, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that this, his testimony is true. And then this right here. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And uh, in my life, I, I think I could say that. You know, if I just if I were to remember all the things that Jesus has done for me, I don't know if I could put them in a book. I don't know. But for sure, all the things that he has done. And I pray 
that John experienced in your, in your life. And that particularly as your mind is activated and your spirit is activated, that we'll embrace all that Jesus is doing. So can we do something um, this morning? Can we, could we stand as we read God's word together? Um, thank you for doing that. And online, like, you can stand too. Nobody can see you, but you can stand. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their, net, brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. So Father, would you just speak to us this morning? Would you activate by your spirit our minds and our hearts to receive from you in Jesus' name? Amen. Thank you. You can grab a seat there. Um, today's our, our, our first in our series called Following Jesus. Would you just say that like following Jesus? Following Jesus. That's what we want to talk about. So the last number of weeks, we have spent a fair amount of time talking about what it means to live from a biblical worldview. So as we talked about various things um, that we're facing today, what's it look like to look at circumstances, to look at all of life through a, a biblical lens, through a biblical worldview? And so now we're going to flesh that out. What's it look like to follow the example of Jesus in, in all life? So this is the first Sunday. So if you're here, like congratulations for first week following Jesus. Now, Matthew describes the calling of the first disciples in, in this way. In Matthew chapter 4, um, we read this, like Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, and, he, and he's, he sees two brothers. So Simon, right, who is also called Peter, we know that, and then his brother Andrew. So they're, they're fishing together. They're casting their, their nets into the sea. They were, they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And what's really interesting to me is right after that, I've circled this word, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately. So like there wasn't any kind of like, what did he say? Follow him? Like, okay, if I follow you, I'm going to be giving up what I know in all my life. Okay, let's vote. You know, no, they didn't, they didn't. It says like immediately they left their nest and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and, and John, his brother, in the boat, and their father Zebedee. And they were mending their nest, so they're fixing their nest. And, and he called them. And again, we have that same word, like immediately 
They left their boat and their father and followed them. Just think about that for just a moment. Immediately, they had a career change. Immediately, they left their boat, which means they left their career, right? Their life of fishing. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. Now, this was not something. Uh, I, I get that, like, um, we're, I think, mostly, mostly adults here. And, uh, and, but so in your life, have you ever played that game, follow the leader? Right? Sometimes you did, right? Um, as, as a kid. So I like follow my wife wherever she goes, right? So do you. And if you don't, if you're married, you should. But so we know what follow the leader um, is all about. But this was not a game follow the leader. Jesus wasn't saying, like, come along, like, let's just follow me, follow the leader. It wasn't that at all. This was a call to a radical life change with a brand new purpose. That's what we need to see here. It was a radical change in their life. You're going to stop doing what you know, and you're going to start doing something that you really don't know about, and really you're going to experience life in a brand new way, but with a brand new purpose. And here's what I want to say to us as we kind of build a foundation for this series over the next number of weeks. What is true about the early disciples is also true for you and me today. What's true for them, that call to follow me, is also true as a disciple of Jesus. So whether you've been in this journey for like a long time, so so you know, you've been following Jesus for many, many years, or maybe you're brand new, right? It doesn't matter. Like, this call is for you and for me today. And there are a few things that I just, I just want you to see about these that he had called, because where they apply to them, they also apply to us. Number one, these were ordinary people, right? They're ordinary people. They're fishermen. They're ordinary people. They had a career. That's how they provided for themselves and their families and so on. These were absolutely ordinary people. They were people just like you and me sitting here and online today. So sometimes it's, it's all too easy, I think, to think of the disciples as the super Christians, right? Of course, they were super Christians. That's why Jesus called them. No, he called ordinary people, people like you and people like me. These were fishermen, right? We, we serve coffee, right? We, we, we sell groceries. We engineer. We do, we do all of these things. We are ordinary people just like these. You know, the kind that God uses every day. Ordinary people. These are ordinary people doing ordinary work, right? Nothing, nothing that goes, oh, yeah, you're a fisherman that sets you apart from everyone else who's doing anything else that they're doing. No, no, no. Ordinary people doing ordinary work that Jesus called. And it's interesting to me, actually, um, that this life that they knew is what they went back to a little bit later. Um, when things got really confusing, when the disciples experienced confusion and a whole series of events that led to perhaps uncertainty about the future. And they, there was betrayal that was involved in this journey and near arrest. And remember Peter's denial and the crucifixion. And, and, and what was Peter's response? He went back to what was ordinary to him. He says, I'm, I'm going fishing. 
And they said to him, well, well, we'll go with you. So it was right back to the ordinary. These are ordinary people doing ordinary life. And then thirdly, and more importantly perhaps, these were ordinary people empowered by God. Jesus said, I will make you, I will make you fishers of men. It's not anything that you're going to do on your own. I will make you, but these are ordinary people empowered by God. And that's the life that you and I live. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're empowered by the Spirit of God to live your everyday ordinary life, whatever that looks like. So when you head out the door in the morning, wherever you go, whatever you do, you, you are an ordinary person. We are ordinary people empowered by an extraordinary God, by the Spirit of God that lives in us to do His work. What is His work? What is our purpose? To go into all the world and share this gospel story. Matthew chapter 28, and Jesus said to them, and this is our charge, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will go with you and I will be with you. It's a call to ordinary people like you and me to be empowered by the Spirit of God to live this radically different life. And so you and I, as a disciple of Jesus, Guess what? We are called to follow him. So following Jesus, we're called to follow him. So the, the, the follow-up question then, and the really good question, okay, I'm called to follow him. So like, what's it, what's it look like? What's it look like to follow Jesus then? How do I live out my life in this call to, to follow him? And that, that's the right question that, that I think we should wrap around as we kind of explore in, in the book of, of Luke during, during this series. The book of Luke, we are presented, was referred to as an upside-down kingdom. Just think about it. Upside-down kingdom. Like, okay, what, what does that mean? Well, we, we read about it. And Luke shares this and calls, calls what's called the Sermon on the Plain. We are called as followers of Jesus to be different, or this, like, this upside-down way of life, this radical system. Our value system will be different, and the way we live it out will be, will be different. So different that when you're going to wherever you go during your day, regardless of what, where it is, it might be shopping, it might be working, whatever, we, our value system will be so different, and the way we live it out will be so different that people will go like, that's weird. And in fact, that's weird, and that person is weird right there. And they're pointing to you and to me. That's how radically different it is. How different? Sermon on the Plain, Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 31. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. That's different. But it gets more challenging. Are you ready? This upside-down kingdom, this value system that you and I are followers of Jesus are to embrace in our life. Love your enemies. Is that easy? No, you, you should be honest. No, no, that's not easy. How about this? Do good to those who hate you. No. How about this? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. 
easy, this life that we're called to? To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And we say, like, you've you got to be kidding me, because like that right there just went too far, right? How about this? And from the one who takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that for others would do to you, do so to them. And if you're not thinking it in your head or saying it out loud, then I'm thinking like, okay, we might not be normal, but maybe this, like who signed up for this life, right? Because when we became a follower of Jesus, we didn't sign up for that, did we? We signed up for the blessed life. We, we signed up like, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Everything is going to go perfectly in my life. Or maybe we thought. No, we are called to this radical way of living that looks different, and we love our enemies. We do good to those who hate you, and on and on. It's a radical way of living. Our lives are to be lived differently so much that when people see you and me, they see our value system. They go like, something's, something's different. Something is different. Because we are good people? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Because none of us are that good. Like, let's, let's face it, right? None of us are, are that good. It's what Jesus does in us and through us. It's not you and me. It's because we're following Jesus. And we're following the life he has called us to as he empowers us with his Holy Spirit. So, the way we steward our resources will look differently, right? They'll look differently because we recognize that everything we have is God's anyway. So the way we steward our resources as a follower of Jesus will look radically different than others in the world today. How we treat the poor, and we'll be talking more extensively next week on, on this. How, how do we follow Jesus' example and treating the poor. So how we treat the poor is going to look like really, really different from those in the world as we follow Jesus. How we treat the oppressed is going to look radically different from those in the world as we follow Jesus. And how we welcome outside people. Well, I'll describe what that is in just a moment. How we welcome outside people will look radically different than what we see in the world today. Jesus in Luke uh, chapter 4, quoting Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So our journey um, will be from the, the book of Luke. Now, I just wanted to spend some time kind of building a foundation. Now, for many of us, this is going to be like a, a, just kind of a refresher um, course, perhaps. For some of us, brand new to the Bible, it, it, it will be new. Um, but we're, regardless of where we land, let's just talk about um, the Gospels for just a moment. Because Luke is, is one of, of four Gospels, but let's just be reminded, there are four Gospels in the Bible, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but there's only one Gospel. Are you with me? There are four gospel stories, but there is only one gospel message, or what I call the gospel story, and this is absolutely important. What is the gospel or the, the, the good news? What is it? Well, let me share it with you in these words. 
The gospel is the good news that God loves the world so much that he gave his only son to die for our sins, John 3, 16. And I say it this way often, God loved the whole world, but he loved you and he loved the world one person at a time. Where we were once enemies of God, we have been reconciled to God through faith in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, Romans 8, 10. It's good news when we come to the understanding that this new life is granted to us not by our works, but by trusting in him. That's good news, isn't it? Because there's not one of us at all who could ever do the good works in order to obtain the favor of God to be reconciled to him. So Jesus did that in our place. That's the good news of the gospel. And it's for everybody. What do we do with good news? So this last week, when you got good news, what did you do? You probably told somebody, right? And that's what we're doing. We announce it. And so we announce or we become proclaimers of the good news that Jesus has come into this world to save the world. So let's talk about the Gospels for just a moment. Why, why four Gospels? Why? why not just one super Gospel? Why, 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 why four? Well, I just kind of say it um, this, this way. Um, because God is good and desires all to know him. Now, you might describe it differently, but that's the way I, I describe, describe, answer the question, why, why four Gospels? That's one of the reasons I think God is good and desires all to know him. The, the four Gospels together give a complete picture of who Jesus Christ is. Then there's the synoptic Gospels, right? So for some of you going like, okay, what's, what's that about? Um, well, when you're reading through the Gospel story, you're, you're reading like, you're going like, well, I, I thought I read that in that book there beforehand. The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, Gospels, the first three books of the New Testament, written by, guess who? Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Different backgrounds with a different audience in mind. So lest I say God is good and wants everyone to, to know him, emphasizing different aspects of the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. So Matthew writes to you know, a Jewish audience, um, Mark um, to, to a Roman audience, and, and Luke to a Gentile audience. And at least I just kind of scratched out, for my own purposes, a little diagram of kind of three books or three, three columns with a banner over each one. It's one gospel story told to three different groups of people or audiences in mind. They're called synoptic because they see together with a common viewer, literally um, together sight. Like so together they present the gospel. Together sight. One gospel story, different views. Now, they're not gospel um, or stories. Um, They're not just four different sources. And again, like take a piece here, take a piece here, take a piece here, and then put together one, one gospel. They are each a complete story guiding us to a unique truth that God has for us. And he has come. That's the truth. The explanation as to why the synoptic gospels are so similar is that they're all inspired by the same Holy Spirit and are all written by people who witnessed or were told about about the same event. So if three of you view the same event out here, you come back and report to us, you're all going to like share just a little bit different characteristic or nuance of that that same story. 
It's kind of interesting because nearly 90% of Mark's content is found in Matthew. 50% of Mark appears in Luke, and, and all of the parables are found in the Synoptic Gospels. So our focus for this series is on the Gospel of, of, of Luke. Now, Dr. Luke, he has a purpose for writing, and he details that in the opening verses of, of, of chapter 1. And so this is what he says. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So you get why Luke is going to write his gospel story. There are a lot of people, others have, have undertaken to compile this narrative. I just felt like it was important, having followed all things closely for some time past, just to write this orderly account for you that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Now, Dr. Luke wrote Acts, really. So it's really Luke-Acts. We're just focusing on Luke. And no one really knows who Theophilus is. I mean, there are, there's some thinking there, but no one, no one actually knows who he is. Most likely, a person that he is, he is writing to. So we're going to follow Jesus through the book of Luke with the intent and dedication to follow his example in this upside-down kingdom. It, it, it's really won't do much good is if, if we come together um, here corporately or even in our own private, private reading and we, we read and we, uh, and, we, and we understand and we can explain what's going on, if it doesn't change our life, you get me? Like, does the word of God, do I embrace it in my heart and do I live it out in, in my life? And that's what I pray as we follow Jesus into a number of areas beginning this morning. So quickly, we're going to follow Jesus as what I just call a welcomer. You're like, a welcomer? Um, what's that? So we're going to do that this morning. Now, I just ask you, if Jesus were on our greeter team out here, and what would that look like? And just maybe he was. Because if we really believe that Jesus lives in us, right? We're, we're standing out there in our welcome team. Right? We're welcoming people. Here, Jesus lives in us. But what's it look like for Jesus as a welcomer? Well, let's look at a story from Luke chapter 19. A little guy named Zacchaeus who probably, I don't know, maybe he wasn't much taller than my grandmother that I explained to you at, at the beginning, right? So Jesus enters Jericho and he's passing through. And here's what happens. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief collector, chief, chief tax collector, and was rich. That's what he did. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way, Jesus. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. 
He has gone to, the, to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What does it look like to follow the example of Jesus as a welcomer? And we see a lot of things going on in this story. Zacchaeus, obviously, was living a life that was outside the community. It placed him outside the community as a chief tax collector. And not only that, but he was rich. More on that in, in, in just a moment. He's obviously heard about Jesus. So he runs to this tree where he could see them. And then Jesus responds to him and said, like, Come on down, because today I'm coming into your house. Zacchaeus, as a chief tax collector, lived outside the community. He was not accepted by those around them. I'll just say it this way. He is maybe on the same level as 87,000 new IRS agents, okay? So, not, not a political statement, but anyway. So, um, he, he was not accepted he worked for Rome. He was viewed as a traitor by other Jews. And uh, he lived as a cheat. He cheated taxpayers. If you've been cheated, maybe you can kind of give you a little glimpse of how maybe people, people felt. Jesus enters into Jericho, looks up and sees this cheat, this one outside the community, and engages him. As an outsider, his lifestyle would have been scorned upon. He would be the, the first one, perhaps, let me, let me say it this way, he, he would be the first one where our, our first reaction would be to like to walk away or turn our back on or cross the street. We're just not going to engage that person. But where we might do that, Jesus walked into Zacchaeus' life. Jesus is the welcomer. So what's it look like for you and me to kind of follow the example of, uh, 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 of Jesus as he lived out his life? Was Jesus approving of his lifestyle? No, of course not. I mean, no, no, he, he wasn't. And we can see that in the words of Jesus himself. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. No, Zacchaeus was lost. He wasn't approving of his lifestyle. Not, not, not one little bit. Zacchaeus was lost. And in his state of being lost, his life offended people. That's why when Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, they grumble. What's he doing? Like he is going to the house, to the home of an outsider, a sinner. you got to be kidding me. Because Zacchaeus is the person that we don't engage with in life, right? He's outside. Jesus, I'm coming, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to sit at your table. Following Jesus means living this gospel story toward those rejected by others. And I want to ask you this question. 
Who is this Zacchaeus that Jesus has brought into your life? Think about the place where you work now, doing normal, ordinary work, right? Most of us do. And in your normal, ordinary life, who is Zacchaeus in your life? Or that person that Jesus has placed in that others see outside, or maybe if we were to be honest, humanly, we go like, you're just outside the community here, you just outside, I, I, I can't engage, engage with you. Who is that person? Who is the Zacchaeus that Jesus has brought into your life? Following Jesus means living out this gospel story towards those rejected by others. And I would just bet, I would guess that for a large percentage of us, like there's somebody coming to our mind right now, someone that we work with, someone that we do life with together, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe we go to the grocery store regularly to a certain place or to a coffee place, but there's somebody that is considered outside, and they are. They're lost. What does it look like to live out this gospel story toward those who are rejected by others? It means, are you ready for this? In this upside-down kingdom, it means we'll be at their table. It means we will invite ourselves into their lives as Jesus provides the opportunity. I, I think it's very interesting to me that Jesus says, Zacchaeus, you come on down because I am coming to your house today. I really don't even think that he gave him the choice, right? Like, do you think it's a good idea if I come now, he's like, I I'm coming to your house. So we, we will be in their home. We will be at their table where life is done. And as we do that, guess what? We'll, we'll likely face similar type of comments by others. Like, you can't do that. You can't associate with that person or th those people, right? They're, they're outside. We will too. But let, let me just note three things here as we wrap up here. As we, as we live out this life, this upside-down kingdom, following the example of Jesus, the Zacchaeuses in our life. Number one is this. It's, it's going to take time. The, one, the, the, the thing I, I think that I um, maybe struggle, struggle with a little bit, I, I don't know, but is this the fast pace of our life. You know what I mean? And I struggle with that. Um, I get wrapped up in it really, really easy, and probably you do too, but every time I have opportunity to travel to another country, um, it's like, in so many places, like, it's not that way, right? I mean, time is viewed differently. I was talking to one of our missionary partners who was on their way to what they were supposed to do for that day, but their, their day was interrupted um, by someone who was in need. And all of a sudden, time didn't matter because Jesus just interrupted their day. So it, it's going to take time, and this upside-down kingdom, will we commit that? Number one, two, it's going to take awareness of those around you. Now, all of us, and myself, maybe more, maybe more than you, because um, I, I perfected the art of just like blasting through life and not seeing too much around me. Maybe that's you, you too, but it takes awareness of others around us. And I have tried tried the practices, and I don't do it every time, and I don't do it always necessarily well, but I try to, and it's this, like, God, when I'm going into this place, just help me to steward my time. So let me be aware of, if there's somebody here that you want to connect, connect me with, like, can, would you just do that? And so I try to remember to, pr to pray that, because it takes awareness of those around us. If we're going to live this thing out, where, regardless of where we are, um, we might be heading back to school, we might be heading into our job, we might be doing the retired life, I, wherever, it takes awareness. And then thirdly, it takes effort. 
It takes effort as we follow Jesus, empowered by his spirit. I want to ask you again, who are the Zacchaeuses in your life? Where can you live as a welcomer as we live out this gospel story so others can come to know the same Jesus that you and I embrace? You cannot follow Jesus and simultaneously go your own way. That doesn't work. You can't commit to follow him and go like, I'll follow you, Jesus, I'll just go my own way. No, following Jesus means that we will follow him in all of life. So my father-in-law, I think, provided a pretty good example of this during a part of his career. He, he, he passed away about four years ago, um, Jen's father. And so he worked in the oil business. And so that, that job would often take him away and they would travel. And so when they would travel, of course, the guys would, would, would meet up and they would go to the local bar, um, lounge, tavern, whatever, whatever it was called. And, um, and they would gather up and they would, they would drink together and have drinks together. My father-in-law um, was a person who would just commit his life to, to abstinence. And so he, he did it and they knew he was a believer. And what was, what was a powerful um, um, story to me came from those who he sat with because Jin's dad never would, would drink alcohol, but he would usually have a Coke or, or something along. And here's what they said. We're like, we know that he doesn't drink, but he still is with us. And he, and in other words, he, he was still sat at the table with us, and he, they knew that he was a follower of Jesus. It was the way that he lived out his life. I think it's a beautiful example of how sometimes we are called. I'm not talking about you know, what you do with your own personal life. I'm just talking about we're called to be the example of Jesus and enter into the lives of other people. And often, it's those who are considered outside and rejected by others. So who's a Zacchaeus in your life? Because that's what I'm going to pray about. Because I think we all, have, we all have one, don't we? We all have one. And I just kind of bet that it might be true that the Zacchaeus in your life is kind of watching you too and just waiting for you to say, look, can we, can we talk? Can I come and sit at your table? Let's stand together, shall we? And I'm going to pray. And as I, as I close in prayer, would you just allow the Spirit of God like, just to speak to you? Maybe, maybe that will look like a brand new commitment to follow Jesus um, as a welcomer. So maybe in your life, I mean, if we were to be honest, maybe, maybe we haven't been all too open to people outside the community. Like we will cross the street first before we step into, we walk away before we step in. Maybe, maybe, that's, that's, maybe that connects with you. Um, or maybe you're thinking of somebody right now that Jesus has brought into your life. So we pray for an awareness. God, what is it you're calling me? How can I step in? So Jesus, would you speak to us right now? I, I thank you for the reality that you, you found us. We didn't find you, but your spirit came alive in our heart and in our lives. And because of our trust in you, because of our faith in you, you reconciled us to the Father. And, and we, we are called to live out this gospel story in all of our life as a welcomer. And so, Father, I would pray that in this moment, you might be speaking to some of us, 
about how we're living our life and maybe maybe our, our awareness isn't what it should be or maybe we are the one who, who crossed the street instead of engaged someone who's outside. Would you just speak to us about that? And maybe for many of us, you, you are bringing to, to mind a name or an image, um, a face of someone who is considered outside and rejected by others, but you are calling us to engage. So God, I would pray that you would divinely create that opportunity um, in our lives. We're not going to step away, but we're going to step into and seek the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel and to dedicate ourselves to being proclaimers of the gospel story that Jesus has come for all. As we trust in him, we'll be reconciled to God, our Father, guaranteed in eternity with him. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. arise. Let our lives arise in praise to you, in honor to you, reflecting who you are according to your word by your spirit. 
Let us sing day and night. Jesus. 